Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I just want to pick up where we were, where we left off last week. And we had talked about, in ending last week, we talked about in the church of Sardis, in that congregation, that uh, they had a reputation of being alive, but they were dead. And so we definitely, is, we need to answer that question here. Are we alive? Do we, what reputation do we have? You know, or we need to make sure that our reputation lines up with his word. Amen? So with that, I just want to pick up, and I believe it's going to be verse 14. I want to start there. I said verse 8. Well, let me just say this in verse 8. Verse 8 says three things, 8, 9, and 10. He says, let us not act immorally. Let us not test or try the Yahweh and don't grumble. These are the things that we need to understand from verses 8, 9, and 10. That we need to not act immorally, do not test him or grumble. Because things happen, like in verse 8, that's whenever uh, this talks about the sin of Peor, whenever Pincus pierced the man of Israel and the Moabite woman. And uh, what did it say? 23,000 fell in that one day. And then the next one is the serpents. We know about the serpents when we read our Torah portion where they came against him and he turned the serpents loose. So that's what these are saying, that there's repercussions from our sin. Amen? And so, and like that beautiful song that was written, songs that are, I mean, you know, when we fall or whatever happens to us in our life, and we've all had this, and we all have our own stories, but the beautiful thing is, is just like whenever we, can repent, he will. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and he can restore us back to a good place. All right, now we're heading into Pesach, and this is that season, and we're getting ourselves ready. So verse 14, we'll start there, and it says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Just like what we talked about in Sardis. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Now, what I wanted to talk about here today is about this word. In, in the ESV, the word is sharing. And I want to slow down and look at that. Sharing is about being intimate. Okay? And he's going to talk about that we are to share in his body. We are to share in his blood. And I want to get to a place where Paul makes a connection between the sacrifices and the altar of the Torah. Because there again, remember, when Paul is ministering to these people, he's not ministering to them out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's ministering to them from the Torah itself. And he's making the connection of what Yeshua has gone through by his blood and his body. He's making it back to the sacrifice in the altar. And it says this, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless... A sharing, and that sharing means partaking or united in the blood of Messiah. And this is what we do. Let me just stop and say this. Um, when we do Passover, we do it on the 14th of Nisan, and we start around 3 o'clock, 3.30 at twilight, and we go on into the evening. And we do it the best that we know how to do it. And we try to look at the scriptures to follow suit. But when we get to the scriptures where it talks about that whenever you drink of that cup in that third cup about, the, about re what represents his blood and what represents his body. And if you take this unworthily, 
It says people are sick. People even die if you take it unworthy because you're not properly judging your own body. And you're not judging yourself. This is why we're going to get to maybe a place. I don't know where we're going to go. I just know I have an outline. The Father was changing so much stuff up here for this morning. But this is why we don't have an open pace off. Because to me, to just me, this is Passover is not a Passover cantata. Like an Easter cantata or a Christmas tree choir. This is not what this is about. And I view it, I do. I'm not saying other Messianic ministers do this. I do. I view Passover and Easter as mixed worship. Because Daniel 7.25 says that the pompous one, who is Hasatan, comes to change times and law. And he has done that. So we're on a different timetable and we're on a different law system when it comes to concerning churches as a whole worshiping our Heavenly Father. Not even going to the place that we don't even address him by his name. Amen. They even changed the name Yeshua to Jesus. You see, there's a lot of changing. And I'm not getting into the pronunciation of the name. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is, is you can see to where our Jewish brothers, we have totally taken. They don't recognize this word. They don't recognize the church as being one because of they changed times and laws and even changed the name. They don't have, there's no connection with Christmas and Easter and our Jewish brothers. It's foreign to them. Only thing to them, it may can make them some money if they sell something. You know what I mean? But what really makes the connection is, is when we, when we accept Yeshua as our Savior and we're returning back to times and law, we're returning back to His feast days, then you know what? They take notice. What are you people doing? What do we do with you now? Because you're no longer Catholic, because that's what they think we are. But it's not, we're not doing this to try to get somebody to agree or disagree with us. We're doing this in agreement with this book. And we're doing this in agreement with our Heavenly Father. What pleases Him? So we'll see. And, and so with that... The reason why we do Passover is closed because we used to do Passover demonstrations years ago that wasn't even on Passover. We just did the demonstrations. And so many people would walk away saying, I did a Passover. I did a Passover. No, you didn't do a Passover. We did a demonstration to show forth what Passover represents. But people was, you know, and I felt like for me that I was contributing to something because they were believing that they were doing something that they were not doing. And so I felt like I was causing more confusion than anything else. Because they would go right from a Passover right to an Easter service. And, and it's a mixture. And to me, how can you see Yeshua in the Torah when they, when they don't understand the Torah? You see what I'm saying? So what we decided years later is I do believe it's serious about these cups. It's serious about that third cup. I take it serious because I do not want to be responsible for somebody who I just want to get us all prepared. Now, here's the thing, and I want to make myself very clear. You don't go up into this third cup and say, I'm not going to take it. Because you know what it's about? It's about getting yourself ready now. 
Because we are to take that third cup. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Because it represents his body and it represents his blood. So it, it, this is why we're talking about it now. Will you ever be perfect or be deserving? Absolutely you will not. This is a process in your life. But the thing about it now, if you're totally in adultery and you're totally practicing sin, you better not take it. But this is the whole thing now. Repent now so that you can do it. See, we get into this situation where we don't think that this matters. Ladies and gentlemen, that trumpet's going to blow one day and there's not a time to get yourself ready to drink a cup. This, the time of being part of Him is now. This is what this is a part of. Because I just want to, I'm going to get somewhere in Corinthians and then you're going to see where the seriousness of this is. So we talked about, in verse 16, he says, Now, is this not the cup of blessing, which we bless a sharing in the, in the uh, blood of Messiah? Is this not the bread that we break a sharing in the body of Messiah? So we see that we have the blood of Messiah and the body of Messiah. Verse 17, since there is one bread, we who are many are what? One body. So you see there's many into one. It's, this is an Adam and Eve situation. Here you have Adam separated, but then comes back together as one. They operate as one. We need to see ourselves as operating as Yeshua is our head and we are his body. We need to understand, are we into craziness? Then he's not going to be the head of craziness. So the body needs to do what? Line up with the head. Because the head's the one who's supposed to do all the thinking. Not the body. This is why he gives us his word. And so he does the thinking. We do the acting out. That's why in the beginning up here in 8, 9, and 10, he says, don't act immorally. He says, don't try or don't test him. Because Yeshua didn't do it. And now we're saying that we will do all that you say that we will do. This is what this is about. Verse 18, look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices, sharers are united in the altar. I just want to slow down just a minute. See, the nation of Israel, whenever they would bring their sacrifices, they were sharing in the altar. And you look at this, and let's run over to Exodus. I don't have this one on the board. Exodus 29, 36, and 37. Exodus 29, 36, and 37. So I got to thinking about this in 18. It says, look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? Now, we just saw above that even though we are many, we're one body. Even though Israel were many, they were one nation. He looks at us as one, as an individual, as collective. And verse 30, well, I'll start in 35. Thus you shall do as Aaron and his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days you shall ordain them. And every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also, you shall purify the altar. Now, I want you to think about something, guys. Now they're purifying the altar. 
I'm just slowing down here because you got to understand what it means to purify the altar. When the altar is purified, it means something. He doesn't take it back. When you make an atonement on it and shall anoint it to consecrate it. So they're setting it apart. They're consecrating the altar for a purpose. Verse 37, seven days you shall make an atonement on the altar and consecrate it. And the altar shall be what? Most holy. The altar becomes most holy. Whatever touches the altar does what? Becomes holy. Can you imagine? So when these sacrifices touch that altar, the sacrifices become holy. Whenever Yeshua sacrificed himself, he became holy. He touched that altar. He became holy. Guess what, guys? Anything that touches the altar becomes what? Holy. When we accept him as our Savior, and when we cry out to him and he forgives us of our sins, what are we doing? We're touching the altar. And we now become holy. Now can you understand why it's so important? The blood in the body when you take of this cup? Because you can't take it back. Because it becomes holy. I'm just looking at a spiritual thing of what happened. This is what literally happened. Is Yeshua not our sacrifice? Yes, he is. And he was sacrificed on a torture stake or a cross. And he was sacrificed for our sins. So he was sacrificed for us. And it's the same to me. My opinion is the same to me that he was sacrificed on an altar. Because that's where all the sacrifices took place. And they took place for many different reasons. But this is talking about a sin offering. And so the thing about it is, guys, is we got to understand, you ain't holy because you're holy. You're holy because you've repented of your sin and you touched the altar. And the things that touch the altar makes you holy. It makes you what? Set apart. It brings you to a higher level. It brings you into his kingdom. And this is why it's so important that we understand, are we perfect? Absolutely not, because they kept bringing sacrifices. But Yeshua's not getting on that cross every, every Passover. He's done that once and for all. So it's for us to know that there is a provision. He is our advocate. If we do fall, that we can repent to him. And he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins. This is all because why? Because we're set apart. And we have to remain set apart. But there's a process, and I believe this is what Paul is talking about here, that we are, when we drink, we drink of the cup of blessings. We share with that. This is why I really love this when we're talking about we're sharing, we're partaking. In other words, we're united. We're connected. I think a lot of times in our life we still, we come and we do and we do, but I don't think sometimes we feel or we think that we're still connected. But this is why the feast and festivals, this is why every Shabbat is where it's at, is to make sure that we stay connected with him, that we're continue to be sharing with him. This is what this is about. Because you're going to find out in a minute, you're going to share with something. You're not, you, it's just not, 
It's just not you out there on your own. Because the whole thing is, is the Father looks at us as a whole. The body of Messiah or a nation that is, that is not following Him. And He says, verse 19, What do I mean then? A thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? Look at verse 20. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice... Now, do you know that whenever the Gentiles sacrificed their offerings, they had a what? They had an altar, didn't they? You can look over there if you study. It doesn't matter where you're at, whether you're in Egypt. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to. Whenever people sacrificed, there was always an altar. There's something about this altar that they understood that they had to have. They just didn't go out and have a barbecue and decide that we'll just pray over the barbecue and have a sacrifice there in a pit. No, they had a special place in the scriptures. It talked about high places and it talked about all of these altars and they had to get rid of these places whenever Israel went into the promised land. So he's telling you that, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, what do they sacrifice to? Demons. And not to Elohim. And I do not want you to become a sharer with demons. Amen to that. Here's what I'm saying. We don't take this serious. You wonder why we may have problems? Are we sharing with demons? Are we united or partaker with demons? Whenever we've tasted what is good and we fall away and we go back, I'm just telling you what Paul is saying. You're either going to share with him or you're going to share with demons. That's just the way it is. You just There is no neutral ground here. And so he's telling them plainly because he just got onto them earlier, do not act like our fathers did whenever they provoked him, whenever the Moabite women was given to them. And 14,000 or however many, uh, uh, 23,000 or whatever died in that day. And if it wasn't for Phineas or Pincus, however you say his name, if he wouldn't have got that spear and stopped that plague, they're telling how many would have died. Because somebody had to do something and it had to be done. Because the Father, enough is enough. Yes. Here you go. Get it on Moxie. Israel had fallen into a stupor. They did. And these this, this, the Cosby and Zimri were doing this right near the tent of meeting. And Moses and Joshua and nobody was responding. Amen. It's the same spirit we see in our country and around the world today. That's right. One guy was able to burn through the fog. And when he did what he did... It broke that stupor. It was like coming out of a deep Amen. sleep. Amen. I really appreciate him bringing it out. Because what he's saying here is this. We can get the... When I tell you, I'll use the word church. The church is asleep. The church as a whole is in a stupor. The church as a whole, the congregation, the body of Messiah as a whole is sitting there while abominations are going on, not only around it, but in the very sanctuaries of it. And they're in a stupor. And the Father is fixing. And look, don't think all of these crazy things that's happened to us over these last couple of years or this year, when people, I mean, with this COVID and all of this stuff, 
Somebody better raise up and put a spear in something to stop these plagues. Because it's not only just that, it's many different ones that's going off all over the place. Think about what's happening. This is not something that's just happening in Loosedale, Mississippi. This is something that's happening to the world. We understand, we've talked about the four altar judgments. How long do you think the United States of America has been in a war? Anybody want to take a guess? Ever since 1990, when we started over in Iraq, and then we had to go over in Afghanistan, and we've been in this stand and that stand and every stand but a deer stand. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. And this is what's happened to us. We're still wars and rumors of wars. Do you know that one of the plagues is war? It's the sword. It's one of them. But do you notice it's not just what you're doing to the other? How many people have we had die on foreign soil? I don't know how many. But I can tell you right now, it's too many. But what I'm saying is, it's because we're in a stupor. And the Father says, okay, you think you can police the world? You think you can fix the world? Get at it, big boy. And you'll find out that it will cost you your sons and your daughters. And that's what it's done. And it cost us family. But what happens is, is when we are a nation, abortions, you're sharing with demons. When all of this stuff, uh, gay marriage, sharing with demons. All of these things that's legal, you're sharing with demons. And we're in a stupor. There's no voices other than communities trying to rise up and say, you know, thus saith Yahweh and take a spear and stop these plagues. But do you know what? He's waiting on us. He's done. He sent his son, and he gave us all power. He gave us a responsibility and a job to do. And we allow things to happen. And I'm talking about me first. We allow things to happen. But I will tell you this. It comes by fasting and prayer. Before you can change a king's heart, you've got to have an Esther spirit. And the people has got to fast and pray for this thing to move. But if we're not going to fast and pray because we don't want to miss a meal, then guess what? You're going to get what the sharing of demons happens. And you will just live and conform in it, and we'll just roll with emotions. That's what happens. I said emotions and motion. So this was the thing here that really got me. I do not want us. It's very clear in Daniel about changing times in law. We know better. And I am not being ugly or pointing fingers or nothing at anybody else. Because you know what? One day, I was under that system. But the Father has been calling us out of Babylon. He's been calling us out of that system. And he's still calling Hebrew roots out of that system into his marvelous life. Because we hadn't arrived yet. This is a process. This is a journey. And the thing about it is... Love the sinner, hate the sin. And this is what this is about. But it still works for us too. So I'm not pointing ourselves thinking that we've arrived yet. We're still on that same journey. And I'm loving my brother to get them to come out too. Get them to, anybody that professes Yeshua as, their, as the Savior, even if they know him as Jesus, I'm still praying for them to keep on this journey and be called out of that system. Because that's what he's doing. He's calling. We're responding. 
We reach down. You know, the only time that you're ever to look down at a person, the only time that you're ever allowed to look down on somebody is when you're leaning down to pick them up. When they fall, you pick them up. That's the only time that you can look down on anybody. Because guess what? Somebody's picking us up. It's just the way the journey is. But we don't want to be shares with demons. Verse 21, it says, You cannot drink the cup of Yahweh or the cup of Yeshua and the cup of demons. You cannot partake or share in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. People, the church is doing this. I'm just throwing it out there. I will tell you the body of Messiah as a whole, they are sharing both. But you know what he's telling you? You're not sharing both. You're really sharing one. You're, you, don't, you think you have the reputation that you're sharing with me, but you're dead. This is why the church of Sardis, when he talked to them, that was so important. It's like, bing. It says, or do we provoke our master, Yeshua, to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? Now let's go to Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to try to buzz through this. While y'all go to Daniel chapter 3, Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 4, uh, you know it, you can read it. I'm just going to tell you uh, verse 4. Yahweh said this. Well, in verse 1, he says, these are the statutes and the rules. You shall be careful to do them. And then verse 4, he says, you shall not worship Yahweh, your Elohim, in that way. In other words, you're not to worship them as the pagans do. This is something that he's told the children of Israel. Do not worship me. When you go in the land, you get rid of all of that mess and do not worship me as they do. And what has happened today, the church as a whole are worshiping as they do. And the Father is opening up and telling us not to do this. Okay. Chapter 3, or in chapter 2 of Daniel, what happened was is Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel interpreted that dream. He interpreted Nebi's dream, okay? Now, Nebi is Nebuchadnezzar. That's just his nickname, okay? So we'll just give him Nebi for now. And it says that King Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar, made an image of gold. Or in the dream, was the image solid gold in the dream? No. It was gold, silver, bronze, iron, and mixed with clay. Amen? But Nebi, he comes up and he says he's going to make the image of gold. Do you know the why, the reason he made the image of gold? Because he didn't want his kingdom to ever end. Because it, Daniel said, you're the head. You're the image of gold. You're the head. These kingdoms will follow. That all sounds good. Good. Give you some, give you a Mr. T starter kit. Give him some gold and all of that around him. Give him a robe and move him on. Let him give him some barbecue and let him do his thing. He did good. He interpreted the dream. But did Nebuchadnezzar heed to it? Absolutely he didn't because you know what? He's prideful and arrogant. He says, now I know what's going on. I'll circumvent this. I'll make the image of gold like that was really going to matter. But that's what he did. That's why the image ended up being a pure gold. Then verse 2, he gathered all the people, the princes, the prefects, the governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and on and on and on and on. He he. King Nebi got everybody together. He's going to have a party. And also, he wants everybody to worship him through this image. Verse 4. And the herald proclaimed aloud, 
And he says, you are commanded, O peoples and nations and languages. Everybody under my rule is what he's saying. When you hear the praise team with all their instruments, I'm paraphrasing, and every kind of music, he told them something. You are to do what? You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebi has set up. Now, this is a command from the king. Are they in Israel at this moment? Absolutely not. They're not in Israel. They're in Babylon. So they're in Babylon. Babylon, do you know that Babylon had their own set of laws? Babylon had their own constitution. Babylon had their own ways of doing things. And the children of Israel are not in Israel. They are all over here now where Nebuchadnezzar is. And so they go by their stop signs. They go by their speed limits. They go by their rules. That's what the church would teach. Because we're not in that place. Because I'm going somewhere here, and I know most of you know where it's going. Verse 6. And whoever does not fall and shall worship, and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. So he's saying, if you don't fall down in worship, immediately, there's not going to be court. There's not going to be a, you're just going to go pick up, go in there, and you're going to be a barbecue. There you go. Verse 8, because I'm jumping down because i got to get through this chapter best I can with the time that I have. And then it says, therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Now, naturally, they're accusing three people. Okay, and we're going to get to these three boys. So these people are sitting here, and do you know, they're not falsely accusing them. The, the command was, is he gathered all the people, all the hierarchy, the princes, the judges, the satraps, the, you know, mouse traps. He got them all together, okay? And he told them, this is what you do. Well, all of a sudden, the music started playing. Jeremiah and them got up there, and they struck a note. Douglas got down on the steel guitar, and he started doing all that singing. The devil came down to Georgia. No, he didn't. But anyway, if he's in Georgia, I hope he stays there. But the deal is, is so they started playing, and when they started playing, three guys didn't fall down. And guess what? When you don't fall down, you sort of what? Stick out or stand out, pun intended. You stick out or you stand out because everybody else is on their face with their nose buried in the ground because they don't want to go to the barbecue. This is what this is about. So naturally... This is what I'm trying to tell you. Whenever the Father wants to do something and for you to obey His Word, guess what you're going to do? You're going to stand out. Because you're there for a reason. He's trying to get, you're representing His kingdom on this earth. This is why He's saying you can't, this is why Paul's saying you can't be shares with demons. Because you're standing out in the wrong, because really if you're sharing with demons, you're really going to fall down. That's really what you're going to do. But we have to be right representatives in this earth. This is why Passover is so important that we know to do exactly what he does. It just really tells us that I have no opinion in this matter. My thing is, is to do exactly what you tell me to do. The best way that I know to do it. And so we will follow your ways and your times and your season. Okay, where am I at? Was I at 
Music played. I said verse 8. Okay, these guys, they accused them, but they rightly did because that was the law. That was even their job to tell on them. You know, and it says, they declared to King Nebi, O king, live forever. Let's jump down to verse 12 because they, they just, they tattletailed on them, okay? Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. In other words, there's some people that you set up in charge over certain sections of your, of your business. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, best I could do. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. This will happen on the days that we stand up for his word because they're going to say, these people pay no attention to you, O Washington. Okay, that's what he's saying here. Paraphrasing. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. Now, here's the thing. In verse 6, he says, if you don't bow down, you're going to immediately do what? Why is he bringing them to him? Why didn't he immediately throw them in the fire? That was one question I had. Because he said you immediately go, but here he says you bring them to me. And there's a reason why he's bringing them. Because guys... When everybody's bowing down and you're left standing, you're going to be brought, just like Paul was. You're going to be brought to give an answer for your faith and what you're doing. And there's a reason for that. The Father is going to let us make that proclamation in this earth. That's what this is. You can't hide from it. If you think you can hide from it, good luck. Or good something in Hebrew. Yeah. Muzzle talk, yeah, stomp on the glass and get out of there. Whatever you got to do, do something. It says, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. Man, I could go off on that all day long. They do not serve your gods or worship the image. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He called these boys in. So they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true? That you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I have set up. And then he said this. And this is where it comes to us. And don't think that this won't happen to you and has happened to you. Now if you are ready, he's given them a second chance. He first said in verse 6 that you will immediately go into the fiery furnace. But now he's giving them a second chance. Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound... Of the praise team. And every kind of music. To fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. He's now telling them. Now they already didn't do it. He's already relinquishing something that he told them he was going to do. But now he's saying hey look. And don't think that you won't have that opportunity. To be able to deny the faith. And if you deny the faith. Well and good. But if you don't. There's going to be repercussions. The story's in here for our examples. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning. Well, that should have already happened, but he's saying again, the burning fiery furnace. And who is the Elohim? This is the question. This is the million-dollar question. 
This is where Yahweh is trying to bring the nations to ask. He's trying to get every form of government in this world to ask this question. Who is the Elohim that will deliver you? That's what he's doing. The Father will call situations because do you know what? You know who the Elohim is that will deliver us. You know who he is. But the kings don't. And these pagans don't. And these people who are running these one world governments don't. They don't know. They may think they know or they may have whatever through whatever organization, but they don't know. But yet, they need to know. And the Father wants them to know. And so we are the ribeyes that's going to help them be exposed. Okay? Because that's what they look at us. We're the pieces or the cut of meat, I guess. Because he's talking fiery furnace. He said, and who is the Elohim who will deliver you out of my hands? And Yahweh said, I'm glad you asked. 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Where did they get that from? Deuteronomy 12, verse 4. You shall not worship me as the pagans do. You shall not have any other gods. The Torah, the Ten Commandments. You shall not have any other gods before me. On and on and on and on. So I asked the question. Were they in the land of Israel? Were they under a different set of laws when they went into Babylon? They were. But what does the Father say? You can obey those laws unless they do what? Go against His laws. And they could not bow to gods and do idol worship. Because idol worship and not allowing the land to rest with the Shemitah is what got them there in the first place. So it's showing you, if you think just because you're in captivity, you don't have to do what the Father asked you to do, wrong. Okay? He expects us to do what we can when we're scattered. We have no need to answer you. That was good. Most people would have probably said, you know what? Play the music. Let me get down here. I'll repent later. You know. But faith is, and here's what I've been telling you guys, and it's, I'm talking to me first. It's important that you better know where your faith is because if you think you got time to do a Bible study whenever they come to you and, and you're at this place, there's not time to do a Bible study here there, was, there wasn't any time for no three days fasting here. This is they were brought there and they were given. All the fasting and all that better be done. You better have your calling and election, sure. You better have your faith ready to go. That's why it's important that we don't horse around with the time that he's given us. He says, then, then the boys go ahead and say this. If this be so, our Elohim whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and, just to make it clear, he will deliver us out of your hands also. He said, it ain't just the furnace, it, he'll also deliver us from you. 
Big boy, old King Nevy. I'm just saying this, I mean, that, look. When they said, and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king, man, they slapped him across the jaws. You hear what I'm saying? When you talk to a king, look at the land. Know the protocol. Look at Esther's situation. If I go in there unannounced, I can die. Is that not what she said? This is the protocol. And then you're going to go stand up in front of the king and say, let me tell you something. You have no jurisdiction here, big boy. They just slapped him across the jaws now. Knocked out some of his feelings probably. Or definitely hurt his feelings. That's right. His face became the same color of his robe, purple. That's right. So, where am I at? 19. Okay, 18. Okay, and he says, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Why again? Because they understood who their Elohim was. Let's jump down to 25. Now, do the wrath. wrath oh, no, I ain't got time. 19. Okay, y'all read 19. I don't have it up here. Because I printed it off just so I could keep focused. Then. Then. Never. King Nebi Nebi. was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace up seven times more than it was usually heated. Amen. So understand this. When you stand for truth, you're going to probably make somebody mad. You think he was a little mad? A little bit. Seven times, burn up his own people that threw him in there. Don't think that when you stand up for Yahweh's truth, somebody is not going to be mad. Because this is in there for a reason. I mean, even Pilate, don't you know, Yeshua, don't you know I have the power to let you go, to set you free or to kill you? What did Yeshua say? You have no power from what the Father gives you. I've washed my hands too. You know what I'm saying? I think he had an aha moment. The Savior of the world looking at you between your eyes, your beady little eyes, and then going to tell you, you have no power except the power that my Father gives you. (laughs) Wife already told him, you better leave that man alone. He didn't listen to his wife. Got him in trouble. Okay, verse 25. So you know now what happened. They threw him in there. Three men went in that fire, far. Three men went into that fire, bound. Understand this. They went into the fire, bound. Whenever we come to the cross, we come to him, bound. But when we repent, he looses us. Amen. Because we touch that altar, we become sanctified. We become set apart. Whatever touches the altar becomes holy because it's most holy. Anyone touches him through repentance and restoration, we become set apart. We become holy. Holy, we touch that altar. All these beautiful analogies. So it says, but I see four men unbound. 
See, King Nebi now, they threw in three men bound, but he's saying, wait a minute, I see four men unbound. This shows us that whenever Yeshua shows up, he cuts all of our bindings loose. When? When we obey what he tells us to do. That's faith. Faith is believing that he's going to show up. You're going to be bound in your situation. You can be bound in finances. You can be bound in health. You can be bound anywhere in the world. But if you stand on his word, and if you stand on it, and if you believe it in faith, and this is one thing in our, our class that we talked about, it didn't say that you may be healed. When it says call for the elders and they anoint you with oil, it didn't say that you might be. It says you will be. And that's him speaking. You will be. But if you go in there with doubt and you go in all of this craziness, then guess what? You're not going to receive it because you're not believing in faith. These men, they already made the proclamation. King Nebuchadnezzar, it's just two ways. Number one, we're not going to do it. And he is definitely able to deliver us from this fire and from you. But if he don't, you know what? We're still not going to bow because we're going to be set free through the fire. So we'll, we'll inherit the world to come. So he says, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the sons of the gods. Now I want you to just ask you this question. And I really don't know the answer. So it's good that you. But he sees four men. But the fourth one looks like the son of the gods. He didn't know, but he knew. He's saying this is, this is the son of Elohim. He not, he's never seen him. He don't know what's going on here. But here you have the, how do you identify the fourth one? With this fiery furnace raging, you can see that they were bound. They were, they were thrown in on the ground, bound, and they get up. Do you know that the Father can give you and He can give anybody the Spirit to be able to see and distinguish who that fourth man is? That's standing in the fire in our life. King Nebuchadnezzar recognized that. Set apart. Guys in our life, if we can be like these three boys then you know what? The fourth man will show up. And the fourth man, when he shows up, they're not going to see you. Their attention is going to be drawn to who? The fourth man. The attention, because that's where the attention belongs anyway, is the fourth man. King Nebuchadnezzar noticed the fourth man. Who is that fourth man? You see, he asked the question earlier, who is the Elohim? That can deliver you. Well he saw him. He saw him in the fire. Delivering. This is what it means. When the sacrifices go to the altar. We become as one. We partake of the sacrifices. We're partaking of the altar. And we become holy. That's the way it works. Where I'm at. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. And he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what did he say? Servants. Come out. Servants. He recognized. 
He recognized. I can get through this part. He recognized. That they weren't dishonoring the king. They weren't dishonoring King Nebuchadnezzar. By what they said. He would have took it that way. But now he recognized. That they was honoring. Their king. They was honoring the king. Because he called them servants. And he knew servants of the Most High. Not just servants of another God. Another Elohim. He didn't say that. He said servants. That's who we serve. That's who we serve. But it takes us three boys. It takes us. We represent these three boys. When you go out into the job place, the workplace, whatever happens, we represent these three boys. Are we represent, we're servants. How do we represent our king? Can they look at me and you and then recognize that we're servants and then turn around and say, servants of the Most High Elohim? That's powerful, guys. Whenever Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar really, he considered himself as a god. He made an image. This whole thing is about Nebuchadnezzar being a god and thinking that his kingdom's going to last forever until he ran up against the one whose kingdom does last forever. Amen? Servants of the Most High, he says, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar was changed. Because he says, and the princes and the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had, had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Can you imagine that? That's a powerful statement. The powers of the forces of evil have no power over us in Yeshua's name. They have no power over us. They only have jurisdiction where we give them jurisdiction. This goes back to what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians. You can't share the cup or the table of Yahweh and the table of demons. You can't do that. If you think you can mix and it be okay... And just do a little repentance after the thing. No, you're going to get burned in the fire. You're going to get torched. But they had their minds made up. They, they were part and particip participators of that table. And it said, and these men saw that the, the fire had no power over their bodies. The hair on their heads were not singed. And their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of the fire even came upon them. When Yahweh shows off, guys, he shows off. But he has to put us in dire situations sometimes so he can show off. Because sometimes it takes something like this to change a king's mind. Not just that you hit a hole in one on a par three. Because most people can do that. Well, a handful of people can. I can't. Watch me make one. But anyway, but I'm just saying, most it's usually by accident something like but he does, Yahweh does it to where you know that they ain't a shadow of a doubt. He made this so hot that it burned up the people that put him in it. So it shows you that the fire was hot, and it shows you that he proved that somebody died with this furnace situation. Somebody died in this situation, but they didn't even smell a smoke. But he made this proclamation 
by what he saw and what he experienced. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the Elohim. You know what? Who is that Elohim? Who is that God that can save you? Now, what did he say? Blessed be that Elohim. I see who he is. I saw him in the fire. We have to be willing to go in the fire for Yeshua to be able to show up in our life so that the other people can see. That's what this is about. When you're doing Passover instead of Easter, this is what you're doing. Because what did the Father say about Shabbat? What did he say about the feast and festivals? These are a sign between who? Him and us. Not me and you. Not me and him. The sign is, is for him to us. Because that's the sign. Because he's the one is the sign maker. Who sent in his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than to serve and worship any God except their own Elohim. This, is, this should be an anthem to us. This should be a proclamation and an anthem that when people see our lives, that that's what they would say about us. That, that they would say that we trusted in him and we set aside all of Washington's command, all of these commands that don't line up with him and yielded up our bodies rather than to serve and worship their system, regardless how many stimulus checks they send you. Verse 29, therefore I make a decree. This is a result of standing in faith. The king made a decree. Any people, nation, and language that speak anything against Yahweh Elohim. The Elohim of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. And their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other Elohim who is able to rescue in this way. This is a Passover story to me. Because there's no other Elohim that can save us from our sins. But the one who was the sacrifice. The one who showed up in the fire. He shows up in our life. He'll show up in this season for us. Whatever you need to do, we need to tap into that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.